The Alexander household is never rarely quiet. And I have just a little story before we have our DVD because um, last Sunday I thought I would give a word of encouragement to Jane, uh, uh, my daughter who's done four years at university, has reached that stage in her career where she's now getting work experience with animals. Uh, she wants to be a vet. And so she had to have a week of equine experience and there I was expecting her to go off to the National Stud and just outside Dublin to work with thoroughbred racehorses. Uh, she ended up going, however, to a donkey sanctuary uh, for destitute donkeys um, down outside Cork. So by way of encouragement, I said to her last, uh, last weekend, well, at least you'll feel at home among the donkeys. In the middle of the week, she sent a text to Anne. And in the text, she said, um, tell dad I'm feeling very much at home. There's an old cross donkey here. <laughs> and he's named Desi. <laughs> well, isn't it wonderful to have a donkey named after you? So, so much for a word of encouragement. Well, we're going to have, hopefully, uh, a DVD if uh, all, all goes to plan here. And it's going to focus on this theme of feeling down and needing encouragement. So let's leave it and see what happens. Songs written by others often capture our thoughts and emotions better than we can express them ourselves. I don't know about you, but I find my spirit resonating with various lines of this song by, uh, sung by Eva Cassidy, written by Billy Steinberg and Tom Kelly. Mind you, the song didn't start out life as it is now. Steinberg tells how he first penned this song about his own mother. At that stage, two of the lines read, you've got too many faces in your makeup kit, but I see your true colors shining through. Well, thankfully, Tom Kelly persuaded his songwriting partner to change the lyrics and give them a more universal appeal. So, you now have a song that speaks to those who feel discouraged, those who sense their own inadequacy, those who feel threatened by the world around them. And who of us do not have these thoughts and feelings at some stage in our lives? You with the sad eyes, don't be discouraged. Oh, I realize it's hard to take courage in a world full of people. You can lose sight of it all. And the darkness there inside you makes you feel so small. Discouragement can come easily to all of us. The American author James Keller tells an interesting story about the day that the devil decided to go out of business. 
Since he had no more need for his tools, he decided to put them on sale. As they were set out, malice, pride, jealousy were soon recognized by most of the prospective customers. However, there was one tiny wedge-shaped tool bearing the highest price, which seemed difficult to identify. What is it, someone asked. I can't quite place it. Oh, that, said Satan, that is discouragement. It's my most valuable tool. With it, I can open many hearts since so few people know that it belongs to me. The impact of discouragement upon an individual or a family or a church community can be great. It can do more damage than almost anything else. Its effects can be like those of a tsunami, flattening, drowning everything before it. Discouragement can disable and destroy the best of Christians. For this reason, it's worth observing that when God commissions Joshua to succeed Moses as leader of the Israelites, he tells him to guard against discouragement. God realizes that this is one barrier that he must overcome. He must overcome discouragement. Put yourself in Joseph's shoes, sorry, Joshua's shoes, or maybe I should say his sandals. Now about 70 years old, he's just been appointed to lead the Israelites. And if you know anything about the Israelites at this stage in their history, you will know that they have a reputation for being complainers. As one author puts it, they were chronic complainers. Leading the Israelites was not going to be an easy task. Yet Joshua was no stranger to leadership. He had been part of the leadership team for 40 years. He had commanded the Israelite army against the Amalekites. He alone had accompanied Moses up Mount Sinai when he received the instructions for making the tabernacle. Later, Joshua represented the tribe of Judah as one of the 12 tribes sent to spy out the land of Canaan. Joseph's, uh, Joshua's CV would have clearly indicated that he had the experience and knowledge to be the leader of Israel. He was a natural choice. Yet there were two good reasons for Joshua to feel discouraged. The past 40 years had been far from easy for him. Like the rest of the Israelites, he had spent these years in the wilderness. He had witnessed the death of his contemporaries. An entire generation had died since leaving Egypt. While they had escaped the hardships of slavery in Egypt, they had not entered the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. If Moses hadn't been able to bring them into the promised land, 
What was the likelihood of Joshua doing this? Past experience didn't give a great basis for optimism regarding the future. And ahead of them lay the land of Canaan with its fortified cities and well-equipped armies. Years earlier, the fear generated by this opposition had prevented the Israelites from entering the land. The obstacles were still there, and they were no smaller. The challenge lying before Joshua naturally filled him with anxiety. Can you sense how he felt? How could he possibly succeed where others had failed? The great days of victory over the Egyptians and the Amalekites were a long time ago. The experiences of the past 40 years did not encourage him. Many Christians often have a sense of facing insurmountable problems. We may hold cherished memories of wonderful things being accomplished for God in the past, but our present experience gives a very different picture. Maybe today you feel as if you're in the wilderness. Maybe you feel despondent and the challenge of life is too heavy to bear. If you can identify with Joshua, then listen to what God has to say to him. Let it be God's message to you this morning. What does God say? Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to your forefathers to give them. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Let's observe several things about this passage. Firstly, in the space of four verses, God repeats three times the words, be strong and courageous. To overcome discouragement, you need to be courageous. Discouragement weakens our determination to succeed. It undermines our resolve to achieve our objective. It drains us of strength in the face of opposition. Discouragement comes 
through Satan's negative propaganda. He subtly tells us that we cannot win. So there's no point in trying. Years ago, uh, I played rugby for a variety of clubs and on quite a few different teams. Occasionally, I find myself playing for a side that had become discouraged. Past results were disastrous, always losing. Or, on this particular occasion, key players were missing. Often, we were beaten before we took to the field. Discouragement killed any hope we might have of winning. To succeed, we need to have inner strength. We need to hear God's words, be strong and courageous. We need to think positively. Yet the power of positive thinking on its own is not enough. God adds two other elements alongside it. Alongside telling Joshua to be courageous, God instructs him to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Joshua's life is to be shaped or molded by God's standards. To enable this to happen, God goes on to say, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Now, at first sight, this verse might seem to imply that if you concentrate on reading the Bible, you'll become very wealthy. Well, Unfortunately, the English translations don't reflect very well what the Hebrew text has to say. The Hebrew makes it clear that God promises not success in the sense of wealth and possessions, but rather prosperity in the sense of knowing how to deal with the challenges that life throws up. Prosperity in the sense of knowing how to deal with the challenges that life throws up. By meditating on the book of the law, Joshua will know how to live wisely and act appropriately. The wisdom that comes from God will give him the ability to lead the people successfully. Now, there's some things to observe here. What is the book of the law? Well, I can recall as a young Christian being encouraged to memorize this verse so that I would memorize the Bible, read it, study it. Well, the book of the law is not the Bible, nor is it, as some writers suggest, the first five books of the Bible. No, The book of the law was a document composed by Moses and given to the Israelites. We read about it in Deuteronomy 31. While we can't be fully certain, the contents of the book of the law 
are probably preserved in the central section of Deuteronomy, chapters 5 to 26. Beginning with the Ten Commandments, these chapters give instructions on how the Israelites should live day by day. They set out God's standards for daily living. Now, most of us, if we're honest, would probably balk at the idea of meditating day and night on the book of Deuteronomy. I doubt if it would get a look in if we had a survey of the most popular books of the Bible. Yet Joshua is told to meditate on it constantly. Interestingly, the same theme comes at the very start of the book of Psalms. Blessed is the man who does not stand, who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Strong echoes of Joshua 1. The person who meditates day and night on the law of the Lord will prosper. And if we turn to the New Testament, there's an interesting piece of evidence that points to the fact that our Lord and Savior was deeply committed to meditating on the book of the law. When tempted by Satan, Jesus consistently responds by quoting from the book of the law. All three biblical quotations used by Jesus to resist Satan come from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and 8. Like Joshua and Jesus, God calls you and me to fill our minds with his standards. We need to immerse ourselves in his word. Let me encourage you to take time to read and meditate on it. Without its light, our true colors won't show. Well, we've observed that Joshua tells, or God tells Joshua to be courageous and obey the book of the law by meditating on it day and night. The final thing that he promises Joshua is this. He will be with him. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Being there for others is perhaps one of the most important things that you can do for them. I don't know if you picked up this in the song by Steinberg and Kelly. 
If this world makes you crazy and you've taken all you can bear, you call me up because you know I'll be there. Remarkably, God promises to be there for you and me. Wherever we are, God says he will be with us. Now, that's a remarkable promise. How reassuring to know that God is with us. Unfortunately, we can all too easily forget this. Maybe it's for this reason that Jesus emphasized this idea when he spoke to his disciples after the resurrection. Knowing that he would no longer be with them physically, he promises, and surely I am with you always to the end of the age. These are the concluding words of Matthew's gospel. Perhaps they were the last words that Matthew himself heard from Jesus. Clearly, they remained with him. And very deliberately, Matthew also wants the readers of his gospel to hear, I am with you always, as Jesus' last words. Jesus is with us. He's there for us when we call. As you and I look to the future, let's take heart from God's words to Joshua. Let them be a source of encouragement and guidance. We need to hear these words when we face difficult personal circumstances. We need to hear these words when we confront new challenges about the future, be it in our families, in our work, with our health, whatever. We also need to hear these words as a church community looking to the future. We need to hear these words as the evil one seeks to discourage us and divert us from the task of serving Christ in the world. So, let us be bold and courageous. Let us mold our lives according to God's standards by meditating on his word. And let us remember, God promises to be with us. Let us pray together. Our loving Heavenly Father, Write these words in our hearts. I am with you always. We thank you for that promise. And may it transform us this week with the issues, 
the trials, the temptations, the challenges that we face. Be with us, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.